Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. Yeah, with Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors lose their sixth game in a row. Uh, dropping by a score of 116-112 to 112 against the Detroit Pistons. Their second loss to the Pistons over the stretch. The Raptors now account for, I think, a sixth, one-sixth of the, the Pistons wins this year. Uh, actually, more than that, actually. Two of their 11 wins are against the Raptors and... Um, I mean, I'm not really sure where to start with this game because I think there are things that are understandable and there are things that aren't. And I think maybe in that framework, what's understandable is that Pascal Siakam for Evan Vliet returning from COVID-19 uh, were very rusty. And that is completely expected. You know, uh, Pascal, 3 of 11, couldn't get anything to go in terms of the perimeter game. He actually had a... Little turnaround jumper against uh, DeLon Wright that bounced in at the, the for the Raptors' first basket of the night. And that was looking promising, but for the most part, uh, not able to score from the outside. Not able to score and drive on the inside. Occasionally got the the, the baskets to go. Got a, actually a pretty good uh, uh, whistle, and he was able to sort of supplement his scoring to some extent uh, at, the, at the foul line where he hit 7 of 10. But not necessarily a good game for Pascal. And not a good game for Fred Van Vliet. 2 of 13 from the field, 1 of 7 from 3. He got to the free throw line 8 times as well, so can't really complain too much about the whistle. It's just that, yeah, I mean, the two of them combined to shoot uh, 5 of 24, which is going to hurt you offensively. And that's not, you know, surprising in the least bit, considering the fact that forget, you know, COVID and, you know, the residual effects that that might have as a virus, you know, as a respiratory virus, you know, um, Fred spoke about it uh, after practice on, um, I guess, Tuesday? Tuesday. Tuesday night practice in Detroit. He spoke about it. And he said he didn't get any of the respiratory symptoms. So hopefully, um, 
you know, that's not an issue for him. But I mean, realistically, when you are, you know, laid up, unable to work out, unable to do anything for like three weeks, that's going to impact your game. And I hate that we're saying this again about Pascal Siakam. Obviously, last year there were parallels here to this exact situation and that it sucks that it's affecting him again, although this time more directly. Uh, and of course, also impacting, you know, Fred, OG, you know, um, Malachi Flynn, Pat McCaw. Um, it sucks on a very personal level, but I think I think you just have to understand that, look, it's three weeks without doing anything, without, you know, being able to practice. I mean, they finally got in some one-on-O drills, and then they were able to advance into a light practice. They're going to practice again um, tomorrow night, which is not usually what happens. I feel like the Raptors generally try to uh, limit their practice time, but I think right now practice time is super valuable. They've lost six straight. Um, they're going to need as much time as possible to sort of get these guys uh, back, you know, especially playing defense. I think defensively that's where some of the real struggles have been. But, um, yeah, you understand. And listen, if you're not winning almost any game with Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Stockham shooting 5 of 24 from the field, uh, I mean, I'm sure you we've all seen the Celtics playoff series last year, so you already know what that is about. But I think what's not... What's hard to sit with in a loss like this is um, the lack of execution in terms of details. This was a game where the Raptors were in it against the Pistons, but lightly trailed against the Pistons. You know, the Pistons led for most of it, but not by too much. You know, occasionally getting up to double digits, but still within reach. Most of the time, the Raptors were within reach, and they just really couldn't get it done. Although it felt like in the fourth quarter, the Raptors had some momentum. They were playing better than the Pistons. And it seemed like, okay, maybe they steal it at the end. I mean, it's a young team. You know, would I mind to break their hearts? No, absolutely not. Go ahead and do it. You know, guys are making some plays. And there was just a lack of execution, um, which was strange to see and very frustrating to watch. Like, you know, after the Raptors um, are just trying to inbound the ball, like, literally just trying to inbound the ball. Pascal throwing the pass to to, uh, to Kyle Lowry, and it gets, like, picked off right at the baseline, the Raptors' baseline, by by um, uh, Josh Jackson, who puts it in for a layup. Okay, that that's frustrating, you know? Um, DeLon Wright is just driving down the length of the floor. Chris Boucher bites on the, a bit of a, uh, not even a pump fig, really, just, like, bites on the footwork. And, you know, DeLon's able to get to the basket. You know, Raptors make a basket. Um, Boucher gets a, a rolling uh, finish uh, from Kyle Lowry. Great pass, great finish. Raptors, you know, need to now guard in transition. And somehow Sadiq Bey, who has made, I mean, he was 6 of 10 from 3 tonight. A really good 3-point shooter. Um, uh, he's just left wide open from 3. And, of course, he hits it. And, you know, the execution there was just not good. You know, missing key defensive rebounds throughout the course of the game, but especially in the fourth quarter as well. It, it was just, I don't know, it, it's hard to accept some of these things. It really is. I mean, and, and you know, even Norm missing two key free throws, kind of reminiscent of that Atlanta game where he missed back-to-back free throws and the Raptors, you know, blew it at the end. Um, again, neither that loss nor this loss was on Norman Powell. I will say that very, very clearly. However, the two, the only parallel there is just that you, you, have, you have some missed free throws. And, you know, the Pistons as a team shot the lights out from the free throw line, even though they have Mason Plumlee. Uh, I mean, they were 20, 28 for 32, so they only missed two free throws. The Raptors were 26 of 34. They missed uh, four free throws, or eight free throws. 
that difference of four free throws is the difference in the game. And that's how small some of the margins can be. The big takeaway from this freaking nightmare of a season for the Raptors, and, you know, it's been a bit of a nightmare season, let's be real, and it continues to to be uh, an issue, let's say. Um, the main takeaway from this season is just how thin the line is between winning and losing. Um, there have been so many games where the Raptors competed, and in the past, I just expected them to pull it out. And maybe we don't have the same... Maybe we kind of underappreciated that in a way. Because it is very difficult to execute and win against professional teams being paid millions of dollars. And this season, the Raptors just don't have... They just don't have that. You know, there's there's some moments they did that. Um, you know, some moments they were able to close it out. Some moments they're, you know... They looked really good. You know, I thought the Grizzlies' comeback was really good. Um, when they beat Brooklyn, that was really nice. When they beat Milwaukee, that was really nice. The... the Twice, you know, they beat Philly, you know, the Indiana game when they were shorthanded, you know, that was all nice. They made some plays down that stretch for sure. But of late, it's just like these close games, like against the the Celtics, against the Hawks, against the Pistons now. They're just, like, there's just kicks in the stomach. And when you see shots of Nick Nurse on the bench, this guy's, I mean, you know, this guy's losing hair like crazy, man. Like, uh, like. And every single time the camera pans on Nick Nurse, he's he's down. He's like stroking his forehead, just trying to figure it out with this club. I mean, what do you really say to these guys? Of course, coming into the game and preparing for the Pistons, who again the Raptors played very recently, right, right before the the uh, the All Star break, the Raptors played the Pistons. So the Raptors should know what the Pistons are going to offer. But you know, even me, who's just like a freaking idiot, if I was looking at the Pistons and then had something to say to the Raptors for the game, I would say it's a very physical team. Very very physical team. You make sure you gotta you gotta make sure you box out. Um, this this is a team that's you know the one huge advantage they have on the Raptors is that they're big, and the Raptors need to be mindful of that. Let me tell you who led the Raptors in rebounding tonight. It was Kyle Lowry at six rebounds. Six. We're looking at Pascal Siakam with five, Chris Boucher with five, Aaron Baines with five. That's it. Meanwhile, on the Pistons side, they had three starters who had double digits and rebounds. Sadiq Bey, 12. Mason Plumlee, 14. DeLon Wright, 10. Right? And then, you know, you, and the final tally, you can probably guess, is severely lopsided. The Pistons had 54 rebounds. The Raptors had 30. one point, it was twenty to 40 to 20. The Pistons had double the amount of rebounds the Raptors had. And, you know, part of that is just, look, um, the Pistons committed a lot of turnovers, too. So a lot of times they weren't able to shoot the ball and miss the ball, and the Raptors had to rebound the ball. Some of that is just you know um, how sort of the, the calculus of the game comes through. But it, it, you know that's kind of unacceptable. Like the amount of times the Raptors just gave up a putback, it, it was like death by a thousand paper cuts. It honestly didn't feel like a paper cut. It felt like honestly a kick to the nuts. Like it all like just nonstop this entire game. The Pistons just getting second chance points. And again, you can see this coming because look at the Raptors starting five and the Pistons starting five. I know we want to sign the Pistons. Look, listen, we're not in a position to sign anybody. The Raptors are six games under five hundred. They're not even that far uh above the Pistons at this point. In any case, look at the starting lineup, right? You got Kyle, you got Fred. Those guys are six foot point guards. Right, DeLon is much bigger than them. Although you might say, okay, you know, DeLon's not as physical. You know, usually, you know, Kyle and Fred played larger than their size. Blah 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 blah. Man, DeLon's six six. 
Frank Jackson is decently sized. And then, you know, they got Plumlee, you got Grant, you got Bay. Bay's a really big power forward. I mean, watching him tonight really made me miss OG Anobi. Uh, you know, similar style of player, the two of them. And the Raptors, I mean, who do the Raptors start at center today? Chris Boucher, right? Which, look, a lot of things come that are good with Chris Boucher. And I've advocated for Chris to start at center this year. Although, let's be real, the competition has been, like, the bars on the floor, the competition-wise. But still, I've advocated for Chris to start sometimes. But I think we have to know that there is a trade-off that comes with starting Chris Boucher. And the, the trade-off is just, yo, the other team's just going to bully you. And Mason Plumley just bullying the Raptors, man. Um, guys just getting in for offensive rebounds. It drove me nuts watching this game. And really, the only time the Raptors were able to really counter some of their size is when they played Aaron Baines. And halfway through the game, Nick Nurse decided, I'm going to flip the matchup. I'm going with Baines against Plumley. I'm going with Boucher against their their their, their um, rookie center, Isaiah Stewart, who is somehow bigger than the, all, every single Raptor, even though he's only 19 years old. That guy is beefy, man. Uh, in any case... That was the only time the Raptors were able to sort of match their size with Aaron Baines. And again, as I pretty much said the whole season, yes, you can have Aaron Baines in for a size. Yes, he can do some things. It's unfortunate that his he seems too stiff to like bend over and pick up a ball sometimes. I feel like he loses most loose ball battles. Um, but, you know, the trade-off is that, okay, you put in Baines for his size. You put in Baines alongside of Boucher. Well, then you're ultimately ending up having to play 26 minutes of Baines. And I don't even think Baines is the real problem tonight. Plus 9, 26 minutes. The best plus minus on the team. You know, you're not really going at the guy. I'm just saying, like, what are you really doing, right? And I think what was disappointing from this game was a few guys disappointed me, right? I don't Fred and, and Pascal shooting poorly, that doesn't disappoint me. I kind of understood what it is. Those guys competed defensively, you know. Of course, you wanted more. Of course, you wanted more, but... Those guys, I felt like they were giving them all they could. What I'm looking for is, like, Stanley Johnson, for example, man. 11 minutes for Stanley. Part of the reason I have to play Stanley is because he's big. He's got good size. He can defend. And even though it's an uphill battle, asking him to box out centers and guys like all this and stuff like that, that's, that's, his, that's the job that's given to him, right? That's the job that's given to him. And I think Stanley is a guy who, especially with OG out, you, ex- you would expect him to play a little bit more minutes just because he's bigger, just because he can sort of replicate a lot of that stuff. Not even close. No defensive rebounds for Stanley today in his 11 minutes. Did not play well. You know, of course, he was getting out-muscled by, like, Isaiah Stewart, which, again, big dude. But, like, you know, you just got to box out. The bottom line is that that's the task ahead of you, and, and the task wasn't done. I thought the Raptors got bullied um, tonight in terms of their physicality. And then the rest of it... You know, I think one thing that frustrates me sometimes when I watch this team is just, like, how they make it really... They make it almost too complex on defense sometimes. And I know I'm saying this because... And and I don't mean to come across as sort of, like, ungrateful or anything like that, or even unaware, because I do know how good the Raptors' defense has been the last two seasons, right? Literally a championship-level defense last two seasons. I'm not saying the Raptors need to change their defense. Because it doesn't work, or because the strategy is bad, or whatever. But I just mean that there was, there needs to be some flexibility built into teams like the Pistons. Who look at the Pistons tonight? You look up and down the roster, right? They didn't have, thankfully, they didn't have Wayne Ellington, the the, the all time Raptor killer, apparently. But if you look at the Pistons roster, which players on this team can hit a pull up three? We know Delon can. Frank Jackson was over three. You know Dumboya. I mean. 
all these other guys, I'll keep the answer short. They don't really have a guy who can hit pull-up threes. And even if they do have guys who can hit an occasional pull-up three, it's not guys that will kill you in terms of they'll hit like seven or eight pull-up threes. So if that's the case, why didn't the Raptors go under screens more often? Now, the thing is, I understand. Look, the, the Raptors generally like to pressure the ball. You go under the screen, you're willingly res, you know, um, resigned to the fact that you're not going to pressure the ball, right? But at the same time, it just felt like time after time after time, they were giving the Pistons a runway to get into the paint. DeLon Wright, we know what DeLon can do. We know what DeLon can't do. This guy, it played into all of his strengths to get into the basket, get into the in-between area, use his length to make a little flip shots, stuff like that. And I love DeLon's game, man. But, I, you know, I'm a big fan of DeLon, and I, I'm really happy that he's doing well, or that he did well tonight. Not happy he came against the Raptors, but I'm happy for him personally. But um, the strategy just didn't seem great in terms of how the Raptors wanted to guard, you know? And, and that resulted in a lot of kick-out threes. And you might say, well, look, the Pistons only got 29 three-point attempts. They hit 12 of 29. Some of those are contested looks, you know. Defensively, was it that bad? Honestly, it just it doesn't feel like the Raptors can rotate at least right now, it doesn't feel like the Raptors can rotate at a very high level. And when they can't rotate at a high level, then what you're really looking at is just breakdowns in terms of guys being late, having to foul, which is the Pistons getting to the free throw line 32 times, guys getting um, you know left wide open for three, which you, you saw that happen, again, most notably with Bay at the very end. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's just a little bit tough to watch. It really is. Uh, I think defensively, the Raptors really have some real woes. And, you know, and this is on a night where the Raptors did force 20 turnovers, so that's nice. I think, obviously, having Fred back is great. Fred able to, I mean, already right on the board, three steals, right? Right back into the steals leader race for Fred Emily. Um A lot of great plays with his hands, um, you know. Guys, you know, Kyle taking a charge, you know, uh, Boucher took two charges. I mean, when do you see that happen? Uh, Baines took a charge. Like, the Raptors, you know, did some things defensively that frustrated the Pistons. But on the whole, allowing the Pistons to shoot 51% from the field, 41% from three, while also giving them 32 free throw attempts, that's just bad. And I think that just really indicates one thing. It's just like the Raptors are so out of sync at the moment. I think... You know, largely what happens in the regular season is not necessarily a test of quality of how much talent you have um, or necessarily how good you are. I mean, it's built into that, absolutely, but it's not necessarily the biggest thing, right? Um, I just think that, I just think that, like, so much of the regular season comes down to consistency in a rhythm. Like, can you be in a good rhythm? Do you know what you're doing every single night? Can you go out there and execute and, you know, um, if you can do that, generally speaking, you'll get results. Like, really, you'll, you'll you'll get results that way. If you're a team that kind of knows what you're doing and you can go out there and execute. And the Raptors are just a team that all season, if it's felt like the formula hasn't been there. Like, they obviously started 2-8. and eight. Of course, then they had a 15-9 and nine stretch. That was beautiful. It really was, right? I'm, you know. But then since then, of course, they've lost six straight. Um, it just, it feels like the Raptors aren't in a rhythm to, to do anything, right? Defensively, they've been out of sync, you know? They've really dropped off defensively. And you might say, well, look, you lost Serge, you lost Mark. That comes with the territory. And a lot of that does come down to a lack of solidity at, at the center position. Because let's say you had a Marcus All tonight. Well, you wouldn't be out-muscled the same way you were tonight. If you had a Serge Ibaka, you wouldn't be out-muscled the way you were tonight. You know, if you had a pick-and-roll partner like Serge Ibaka, then you might not necessarily need to play... Bane's 26 minutes and see him miss, you know, get blocked on dunks and stuff, right? But 
a lot. Like that's just kind of the situation the Raptors are in. And and you know because of the the, 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 the the you know moving to Tampa because of the slow start with some unlucky losses because of injuries because of COVID, like this whole season's out of whack. Like the Raptors are having to start from scratch again. Like literally. Starting from scratch, except with 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 the roster, with the with the uh, the record being what it is, but they're they're kind of having to start from scratch. Like you, Nick Nurse has to drop a new rotation now because guys are back. He has to work out the new bench rotation. Guys have to learn how to play defense. Guys are playing defense with different players. Guys are playing a style of defense that worked really well last year, but they don't have necessarily the same talent to execute that defense now. It's just kind of a mess. And again, it, it really comes down to rhythm. Like the Raptors, when they got into a rhythm this season, when they finally got into a rhythm, they looked really good. And now they're out of that rhythm and, you know, these results are just slipping through their hands. Like, this game against the Pistons is a game the Raptors had to win. And I know it's ridiculous to say, you know, game 50 of the season is a must win. Yo, there's not that many games left in the season. You know, game 40 of the season, sorry. Like, game 40 of the season is not a must win almost by any standard. But there's not that much time left to make up the gap. Like, it really isn't. You might say six games... You know, that's not too bad. You can climb out of a six-game hole. Yeah, you can climb out of a six-game hole when you're 2-8, and eight, man. You have the whole season to do it. At this point, it's really tough. Just to get to 500, the Raptors would need to play at like 19-13 and 13 to finish the season. And 19-13 and 13 is like probably the best I could possibly expect them to play. And the best they can play probably gets them to 500. If they, if they were just like your wildest imaginations, like let's say you wanted to... Get to the sixth seed, avoid the play-in tournament. I mean, you'll probably still have a really tough first-round opponent, but still, you you don't have to play, you know, for your life in in a you know in a one one game takes all kind of situation. If you want to avoid the play-in tournament, man, the Raptors would need to finish the season with like less than ten, like no no more than ten more losses on the season, and, and that's scary. That really is scary. Like, are the Raptors really gonna go like twenty-two and nine to finish the season? I just. It'd be hard. It'd be very, very hard, especially with the current roster. I don't really know. I think they need more talent, and that's where the front office really has to step in because you know they, they need some more pieces. But look, I've talked enough about like this game itself, and I guess the um, you know the negative parts. I guess I want to focus on the positives too, which is look, Norm Powell gave us forty three points on thirty in thirty eight minutes, a ridiculously efficient outing from Norm, and this you know I mean. Look at the numbers, man. 14 of 18 from the field. One of those was a last-second heave at the end of the game, so I really want to just strike that from the record and just say 14 of 17. 8 of 12 from the three-point line, including two ridiculous threes, an and-one situation on a three, and then another you know pull-up three late that kind of gave the Raptors just like a faint glimmer of hope. And yeah, he missed two free throws, but I mean, 7 of 9 from the free throw line, you can't complain about that. Just an outrageously efficient night from Norm Powell. And look, I think more and more I watch this, I don't really feel like this is going to come down for Norm. I think even with everyone back, and even when Pascal and Fred get into a rhythm and and they're you know playing at their capacity or whatever, I think Norm's still going to get lots of shots. And because of the way Norm is and the shots Norm gets within the offense, he's still going to be a 20-point-per-night super high efficiency, 60, 65% true shooting kind of guy. And that's wild to think about because I don't really see anything that's necessarily unsustainable. I feel like we always kind of feel like the other shoe is going to drop with Norm. I think this this happens when you see players that don't necessarily, like, don't necessarily follow a linear path 
terms of development throughout their career. So when they kind of show you in the first three seasons that they're inconsistent, like Norm did, maybe you just kind of believe he's inconsistent going forward. And or honestly, you know, there are times where Norm doesn't really score that well. And when he doesn't score that well, he doesn't do anything else. So that's going to be, you know, it's it's going to have people in and out on Norm in a way. But, I mean, Norm's consistency has been so good over the last two-plus months. It's, it's outrageous. And, you know, maybe last season you might have said, well, this could be a bit of an aberration for him. I don't know how, like, 40 games is an aberration, but, you know, you might say this is an aberration or whatever. This is just Norm. I think he's obviously so good on the catch and shoots. I mean, there were passes tonight that the Raptors made to Norm were not clean passes, you know, rotating to the corner, having to take, like, one or two dribbles just to, like, collect the ball and still making them. Like, the ball's barely touching his hands. He's, like, running up and, and twisting his body midair and shooting like he's J.J. Redick or something. I... I I'm so impressed with the way Norris playing. Of course, he's also taken it to the basket. You know, a blue by Mason Plumley one-on-one for the layup. Another time, he got the ball driving baseline, dunked all over whoever the Pistons had. I don't even know. Um, Norm is ridiculous, man. He's he's played at such a high level. And there was a report earlier today, um, or at least after the game, where, you know, Mark Stein, you know, tweeted about Norm and, and basically was trying to big him up, basically. And he dropped the nugget that, look, you know the Raptors were interested in uh, Andre Drummond or whatever, but the, the Pistons or the uh, the Cavs were looking for Norman Powell in return, and obviously the Raptors said no to that. I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, clearly. I mean, clearly, man. I, I, Norm is playing like the best scorer on the team, and he's pretty much done that for m- at least three quarters of the season, which is kind of wild. Um, but I mean. Good for Norm. I'm really happy for Norm. I know it's probably very bittersweet for him because he's had all these, you know, great scoring games, you know, put the team on his back type of efforts, and the Raptors just keep losing these games. Um, And so, you know, there's not a real chance to, like, really celebrate, really bask in it. But, I mean, Norm is just in such a great rhythm. And, you know, if you look in terms of scoring this season... Fred Van Vliet is at 19.9 points per game to lead the Raptors. Pascal Siakam's at 19.8 points. And Norm Powell's at 19.7 points. That's how good it is. And honestly, with a few more games, Norm is going to take that number one spot in terms of scoring the team. And the nice thing is, he's not a number one option in the sense that you have to always feed him the ball. Right? He The thing is, he gets most of his production off ball, which is actually really impressive because... Um, when you're off ball, I think good defenses can kind of deny you a little bit, push you away from the ball. If you're running pick and roll and you're attacking, generally speaking, unless they really trap you up top or something like that, like they're not going to force you away from the ball. Like, um, whereas when they're off ball and stuff like that, they can they can chest you, they can body you a little bit. Um, you know, I, I, he's doing all this without having to dominate the ball. Like, you know, I it, it, this kind of game reminds me a little bit of. That Clay Thompson game against the Pacers when he had like sixty on like eleven dribbles or whatever, like, <laughs> like well, you don't really see Norm dribble that much. If he's dribbling, he's gonna pull up for three or he's gonna attack baseline two hard dribbles and dunk or or, or drive it in for layups. It's um it's ultra efficient the way Norm is playing. He's you know he's giving you ridiculous production. And at this point, I mean, you know, of course the trade deadline is coming up. You might say, well, that's a very valuable asset. Apparently, a lot of teams have called. About Norm Powell, according to Zach Lowe, at least a third of the league is called about Norm. I mean, unless you're getting something really damn good for Norm, I don't know what you're going to do. Because I think you should re-sign him, man. He's, 
I mean, look at him. He's he's played as well as any Raptor this season um, in terms of scoring. So, uh, yeah. So, but I mean, listen, it's it's a ultimately it's a bit of a bitter loss. Um, all of these are because it feels like all of these are must wins. Raptors really got to get right. They're going to practice again. Then they got the Utah Jazz coming up. I mean, the Raptors have played the Jazz pretty decently. Remember last season, two very memorable wins. One game they were up forty at halftime, and the other game. Um, you know, Serge and, and, and OG, Pascal, really were able to lead a comeback and, and, and win it um, in Utah. Rudy Gobert tried to fight OG and Obi, tried to put hands on OG like he was putting hands on microphones. And um, then the season was shut off, and the world was shut off shortly thereafter. Uh, but, yeah, man, it's going to be a tough game. If the Raptors give up threes the way they do... And if the uh, Jazz continue to hit threes the way they do, man, that could be real lopsided. So we'll see. Hopefully the Raptors can kind of get it through. But honestly, it, it's it's just a weird season, man. It, it's, it has very much felt like a season where nothing really goes right. And today was another example of that. So in terms of your three stars, I'm going to go with Norm Powell's the first star. Surprise, surprise. 43 points on 14 of 18 shooting, 18 of 12 from three, 7 of 9 from the free throw line. The classic Norman Powell game obviously needs to give you a huge number on the three po- on, on the um, the points total and also in its efficiency, but also give you zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks. It's a it's it's a trademark of Norman Powell's stat line, but nevertheless, man, um, sensational scoring effort from Norm. Uh, second star, I'm going to give that. You know, it's it's tough. Really, because I don't really know where to go with this specifically. I'll give it to Boucher for the 21 points. He did some really good stuff. Really good work on the roll, on the pick and roll. Um, You know, I would say I would have loved to see him rebound more. Um, But, I mean, four blocks for him, two on one possession. Although that possession finished with the the Pistons somehow getting a a little put back at the end. It's annoying. Boucher made some nice passes on the short roll as well. Just becoming a really good pick and roll player alongside Kyle Lowry. I mean, if Kyle might be if Kyle's probably going to the third star, although I'm not really feeling too great about it because he was really, really off with his jumper. But you can't deny 15 assists from Kyle, man. That's that's outrageous. And you know, obviously, you know Kyle is a guy who's very adaptable to his environment, so he's going to find guys and he's going to find rhythm with guys. And you know, seven of his assists uh, were to Norm, and six of them were to Chris Boucher. Kyle has really, really found a way to play with those two guys. And maximize their games. Um, but yeah, you would have liked to see Kyle shoot better than 0 for 7. But honestly, who else are you going to pick, man? Like, who else? Fred, 2 of 13. Pascal, 3 of 11. You know, just one of those nights. So, even though they got some guys back, it uh, didn't make that big of a difference. Um, in terms of your Gerald Henderson award winner, that's probably got to go to... I'd probably give it to Sadiq Bey. Yeah, 20, 28 points, 12 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals. Really impressed with the guy. I mean, I remember leading up to the draft, I was looking at kind of players. I'm not, not like, nothing close to a draft expert whatsoever. Like, I barely pay attention to any of this stuff. But, uh, although this year I might have to, yikes. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, man, Bay was a guy that I really liked for the Raptors. Of course, he got taken um, in the teens. So, uh, obviously not available, and you can see why. The guy's a very good player. Very, very good player. Very solid player. Very physical player. Uh, can hit the three. Very mature player, especially too, for a rookie, man. I think Dwayne Casey's done a really good job of just, like, getting his rookies to go out there and not look like rookies. And, um, yeah, it was nice to see some guys hug Dwayne at the end, too. Of course, Dwayne is a big part of the Raptors' history. I know um, 
not a perfect coach, but still, I mean, he's a guy that was with the Raptors through the trenches. So salute Dwayne. Um, before I sign off on the podcast, I'd really like to uh, tell you about the uh, Raptors reaction newsletter, which comes out after every game. Again, terrible time to launch the newsletter when the Raptors keep losing, but I really do hope that people would like to subscribe and, and that people do subscribe. What you can get with the newsletter is, um, let's see, you, you get links to 10 things, you get links to the podcast, you will get um, three stars, which are right after every game. You will get um, mailbag questions answered, so you can write into our email and uh, you know have your have your say on the Raptors. And um, you know, I appreciate some of the questions that have already been sent in. Uh, what else? Um, you got highlights from the game. You got post game interviews. Pretty much all the stuff that you would want to see from post game coverage. Now, granted, you might want to see post game coverage after wins. But I promise you the Raptors will win eventually at some point this season. They're not going to lose the next 30 games. Um, and you won't want to miss it. So I'll drop a link to the newsletter uh, in the link to the podcast. Or the podcast description below either on YouTube or on iTunes or Spotify. Wherever you're looking for the podcast. So please um, subscribe to the newsletter. I think it's, um, you know, I just think it's something that you'll be interested in. And um, yeah. That, that really does it for the podcast. So it's a, it's a bit of a difficult day for me personally, quite honestly. Um, I think, it's, you know, pretty much Asians worldwide are really affected by um, the, like, I mean, a hate crime that happened in the, uh, in, 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 in Atlanta with a uh, shooter killing um, several women. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know, really know what to say. I think I, I thought about it all day, really, and I really wanted to say something. I feel like I want to use my platform and things like that. I just don't know what I can realistically do with a platform just to, like, tell people, like, don't do this. I mean, I think it's common sense, maybe, um, to not do this. Like, you know, I think we should have some human decency, and there are deep societal issues that are leading to just ho- truly horrific crimes being committed almost on a regular basis, like, how many mass shootings are we going to see, man? It's, it's, uh, it's deeply terrifying, but, um, I guess really what I'm just trying to say is, you know, um, try to be a good ally, try to be a good friend, um, to all the people in your life, but I think especially, um, to some of the Asian people in your life, um, of late, check in with your friends. I really appreciate it when, um, people, my friends have checked in on me today, uh, that has been, good to see and, and really just try to learn and um, see different perspectives in terms of why some of these things are happening. There's a long history of this in, in America, in Canada. And um, at least if you get an understanding of it, you can see um, you can, you can at least make some sense in something that is like this, which is like a complete act of senseless violence. And honestly to um, all my Asian listeners and things like that, like just please take care. Like, um, reach out to your parents, reach out to your grandparents. Um, I mean, I, I know my grandparents aren't really going out anyway. All they do is like sit at home and try to learn English, uh, for the, like, the 10th time. <laughs> uh, they're in their eighties. So, you know, it's probably very difficult for them to learn, but it's very impressive to me that they do. Um, but just reach out to them, you know, um, let them know that they're loved, let them explain to them some of the situations, because I know for a lot of, um, older Asian folks, you know, where they're probably largely relying on like WeChat or, um, you know, obviously, uh, language or media that's, 
explain in their um, uh, languages and sometimes that you, you don't get the full perspective or you don't get a full understanding of why some of these things happen. It's very hard. I mean, for me, I, I, you know, I speak some Mandarin. I mean, I speak Mandarin. I speak it pretty decently. But even for me, like, it's very hard to explain, like, racial dynamics, for example. Um, but, you know, just try to reach in with them. Try to assure them that they're safe. Obviously, if you can, you know, go out with them and uh just try to keep them company try to uh, keep them safe uh, i feel the same for my parents as well you know i, I worry my, like my dad goes running every night like i you know who knows man uh, i mean he runs into some like coyotes and shit in like westine uh westine valley or um, centennial park but you know this is like a different scale and something that you can't really prepare for i guess you're not really going to run around and just like anticipate being you know a victim of a hate crime but um I don't know. It's a very difficult time for the the community. I have to say that, and I and I don't know what to say. I mean, just it, it obviously it has to stop. It's it's uh, but it's also deeply deeply troubling. And I hope that um, I hope that especially yeah. I mean, if you are Asian and you're listening to this, like you know, however this is affecting you mentally, um, just try to take some time to yourself and and really really love yourself in this moment. It's it's uh, it hasn't been easy. Absolutely. So. Um, thanks for listening to that stretch. I know probably a lot of you probably aren't interested in anything other than basketball, so that's fine. But I do appreciate the time. And, um, yeah, hopefully the Raptors can get back. You know, they're going to practice on Thursday. Uh, OG should be around the corner. Maybe he'll come come back. Although we've seen with players coming back, you know, it's not necessarily a guarantee. You're not going to get 100% of OG. You're probably going to get like a 50% OG. But listen, man, I'll take a 50% OG. I'll take any of these guys in the moment. I think the Raptors obviously need to get every win they can. And listen, if they could beat the Jazz, if they could snap the losing streak and beat the Jazz, I would feel, uh, you know, I would feel very grateful. And I think maybe that's something that we can all use and rally around at this point. But, um... But yeah, so uh, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, I'll be back, obviously, for the Jazz game. And um, yeah, subscribe to the newsletter. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.